0: what's up guys Mike Lewis here and welcome to the Mike Lewis podcast if you guys want to keep up with me on social media you can follow me on Instagram at Mike Lewis Official, and you can follow me on Twitter at MikeLew52 it's where most of my updates come if you're enjoying my content give me a like and a subscribe and without further ado let's just dive right into this episode All right, Sarah, thanks for uh, taking the time out and coming on today. How are we doing?
1: I'm doing well, thanks. How are you?
0: <laughs> Does it feel taboo being on the guest end of the spectrum after I'm sure being so used to hosting?
1: Uh, no, it's kind of nice. I, I uh, you know just get to sit here and ask or answer questions and you have to kind of do the hard work, so no problem.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, you're making this transition now, or you've just made this transition into being a therapist. Could you maybe explain to the viewers what kind of therapist you are and what exactly you're going to be dealing with?
1: Yeah. So, I'm a uh, marriage and family therapist, which is what they call a psychotherapist in the state of California. And it's just like your regular run of the mill uh, therapist who helps with, um, you know, more like talk therapy. So, 50 minutes of talking through problems and helping people achieve their goals with evidence-based treatments.
0: Are you going to be dealing with any reality TV people that come out of those shows?
1: And Well, maybe- that is the uh, kind of where all my research was. Well, not kind of exactly where all my research was in my uh, graduate program. When I was doing my research methods class, I was studying the effects of reality television on the participants. So it is, Uh, definitely becoming my specialty, and I will take any and all clients or, uh, you know, former or current reality stars that come my way, and, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I can't speak as to who my clients are right now, but this is something that, you know, I kind of, um, there aren't many people who do this who have a specialty in this. I don't know of any, actually who have had experience on reality television and then are now in the mental health field. So I feel like uh, I am well equipped and uniquely equipped to help people who have been through that.
0: Yeah, and I've been saying for the longest time now, I feel like they should have some set either program or something in place for people that are on reality TV that are having like sustained tenures on them because they're almost in a way left to fend for themselves, like fed to the wolves in a way, you know, like with the show. Like I've spoken to people that have, it's taken years, both mentally and then like with their situations outside of TV to like recover from their time on TV, you know, with the effects that it has. And one thing I noticed from one of your videos you posted, you said that it was very hard for you to return to normal life after those shows. What maybe specifically was hard about it?
1: So it's a really unique experience when you are being interviewed and questioned about your feelings on everything and everyone. So, you know, if you could imagine, we're in this house where we are interviewed by producers multiple times a week where they ask things like, um, you know, I've been noticing that uh, uh, Sarah's sleeping in a lot. Do you think she's depressed? And they'll say things like in those, in that way, or that maybe didn't make you, like you didn't think that before. But now you do. And also you're commenting on a bunch of other people's situations, their lives, their what's going on with them. When you go back home, there's this feeling of like it's hard to uh, uh, recognize where your opinion is valid and necessary and where it's like, guess what? Nobody cares. There's a lot you don't really get to comment on other people's lives in outside the challenge, but on the challenge it becomes like the main focus of your attention. What everybody else is doing, what everybody else is thinking, and it puts you in this mindset where you're just looking at people's intentions in a different way. So a lot of it is um, people's intentions are often to just serve their own goals and get their own you know uh, uh, I don't know needs met. And don't have your best interest in mind on there. So you come home with this kind of lingering feeling that maybe people who you used to trust or or should trust maybe don't have your best interest in mind either. And then that's really um, uh, uh, further emphasized or even like solidified or, or, or validated, I guess, um, when people on social media comment and people who, you know, are, I don't know, not to, like, call anybody out, but, like, in their mom's basement and, like, you know, at 40 years old, like, with no job and, like, not contributing anything, who's, like, wanting to comment on, you know, how well you did in that challenge. And those voices, even though we, in our rational mind, can say, like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just one person, they can definitely get in your head at Because that's what we as humans are, we're designed to be social creatures who care about the opinions of others. We are not designed to care or worry about the opinion of literally millions of people. Yeah. That was long-winded, but I hope (laughs) I answered your question a little bit in there.
0: Oh, yeah. Was there any event in particular that stuck out to you that made you want to take that step into this role as a therapist?
1: Well, uh, since I started my show, this is something I've always wanted to do. I mean, this was always the goal. When I uh, went on The Real World, I was doing art therapy. And, well, and I shouldn't have ever called it art therapy because I was not technically a therapist. So I'm just, like, going around saying, oh, yeah, we're doing therapy. But, like, I was teaching a a therapy-based art class that helped people learn about themselves. And it was, so I've always kind of been in this, um, I don't know, like helper role and wanted to help people explore identity and who they are, um, you know, in like a therapeutic way. And so this was always the goal. And, you know, reality television was kind of the stepping stone to get there or something that I was doing in between and really something that I was doing to, kind of share my platform and what I was speaking at about because uh, when I was on my season of the real world, I uh, was working, um, well, volunteering as an advocate for sexual assault survivors. So that was kind of where I started is uh, doing like peer counseling for people who were survivors of sexual assault. And, uh, you know, that kind of led me right to where I am now.
0: So you'd say it was more about using the re- the real world as your stepping stone more yes. or less than actually having aspirations of getting onto TV?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was always it. And in fact, my parents were both in the film industry and being I was a kid who was in commercials. Like the, being on television was something that was not like super like, oh, my God, it's so exciting and amazing. It was like normal and we would go to set with, you know, mom and dad all the time. And it was, like, regular stuff. So it was, my, in fact, my parents were like, whatever you do, do not go into the film industry. It is not sustainable. You should not be in that business. And I was like, oh, definitely, don't worry. I will not ever work at on the crew. Well, I, I didn't know I was going to be in front of the camera. But, you know, here we are. So, yeah, it was never, that was never really my goal. But, uh It sure as heck was fun to do.
0: No, yeah, definitely. And your season of Brooklyn came after that time period where I feel like every season after Trishel's season, Las Vegas, every season after that was kind of, like, considered larger than life in a way, like, you know, all the partying and stuff, but I feel like out of all those seasons, yours was, like, one of the more relatable ones because you guys had, like, sort of like a band of misfits type of cast, you know what I mean? Like, very diverse, you know? You had um, Caitlyn on there who was, like, the first um, openly transgender cast member. Mm -hmm. JD was obviously open with his sexuality. You guys just had a lot. And Scott, too. Scott, right? He was Mm -hmm. the one that uh, went overseas to serve. in the. Oh, that was Ryan.
1: Scott was the bodybuilder. But yes, yes. But you know it's it's interesting that you call it like, oh, the band of Misfits, when really I look at our season, and you know they told us this when we were um, after filming was done, but they were kind of using ours as an experiment to see what ha- would happen if they went back to the more traditional like original let's cast real people. So it wasn't as much Band of Misfits as it was regular, ordinary people, which is what I thought, there's no way I'm going to get cast on this. Like, I had never seen somebody on TV with tattoos who, like, you know, looked like, I don't know, kind of like the goth chick. I was like, there's no way they want somebody who's got, like, blonde hair and, like, looks good in a bikini and, like, that's just, I'm just, like, regular. And I think being regular old me is exactly what got me cast.
0: No, definitely. For That was what I meant, for lack of a better term, um, like normal casting. Yes, term. totally. That, you had Cancun. You guys were sandwiched in between, I think it was
1: Hollywood and Cancun. Yes, so. that was intentional. They were like, let's see what happens if we compare the ratings between like a season we want to like go extreme party and then not so much party like they we are the reason why in current houses they do not allow books or cards because we just read books and they put the books in the house for decoration and then we read them Wow! and they were like we didn't expect you guys to read and we were like why'd you put books in the house then and then they took they confiscated our books because they're like you guys are reading too much and playing card games too much this is friggin' boring (laughs)
0: <laughs> Do you still keep up with any of you guys, or you guys kind of just go about your own business?
1: Um, you know, it, I check in with them every now and then. Um, Bay and I are really close. Whenever we hang out, it's like you know we can pick up right where we left off. Um, and then when during like elections and political stuff, we all we tend to like have a group chat that goes on and talk about that because we uh, were uh, like the. Um, Obama's election and Obama's inauguration was a big part of our um, or him winning the election was a big part of our season and um, yeah so we, we like check in with each other now every now and then and they're just like uh, like special gemstones in my treasure box of friends that you know I've made throughout the years and uh, wonderful humans that I feel lucky to to know and to see, like, you know, as they grow.
0: Yeah. So, so, so post show of Brooklyn, did you uh, go on any of those, like, bar appearances? Did you get, like, opportunities? I speak?
1: got called. Nobody wants the sexual assault survivor and sexual assault, like, uh, a public speaker, like, after school program, you know, therapist to come to the bar. <laughs> Nobody wants that there. I am. do not pull a crowd for that. I have done a lot of college speaking events where I talk about, like, um, I you know, I talk about uh, my experience on the show. I do a lot of, um, uh, like, uh, what do they call that? What Orientation, like back to school, kind of like, you know, here's how to make the most of it. Here's how to have a positive attitude kind of thing, like motivational speaking. But I got two bar appearances the whole time. I was, that's it. And one of them, nobody showed up for the band that was supposed to play didn't even show up. And they only paid me 50% of what they were supposed to pay me. So like, it was not for me. That world was no, 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 I'm good. (laughs) I I don't even really drink.
0: So it was not really fun. Were you recognized a lot in public after Brooklyn?
1: you know i lived in like i'm from la everybody thinks i'm from san francisco but i just happened to be living in san francisco when my show aired like i would like to clear the air i am not from san francisco i lived there for like a couple years um but no i'm born and raised in los angeles so nobody in la cares if you are on reality television and uh yeah i don't really i i don't i get noticed now for my voice more than i do Really? Like walking down the street, like I've been in like a, a, a restaurant bathroom talking to a friend and somebody in the stall is like, is that Sarah from the Brain Candy podcast? I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> so that's happened more often now than, wow. yeah.
0: So I've, I've got a question, actually. Was that your voice in the Robot Chicken spinoff? Of yes, it the- was. It was, okay. Yes. I n- I knew Nani was in it, but I that no, wasn't her. No,
1: that wasn't that was me doing her voice. Dude,
0: wow, that's wow, really. Yeah, and that was definitely TJ's voice too. Right? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. How, that's, how, that's that's how, something I would have loved to keep doing is those cartoon voices. That's like real fun for me.
0: <laughs> so, y- I know that on the first episode of your first challenge season on the Ruins, you said like one of the reasons why you first did the real world is to get onto the challenge was that the case
1: oh yeah for sure i love i love the competition i've always been somebody who likes uh you know like like i go rock climbing and like kayaking and do all this stuff like in my free time yeah i'm like backpacking and sleeping under the stars regular so like oh you want me to do that and like compete against other people and maybe win money heck yeah i'm in
0: That had to have been a a daunting first challenge to walk into, though, with, like, all the personalities that were there on that season in particular. I mean, you had Wes, Kenny, Evan, Johanna was there. Um, You know, Susie, who you're close to now. Um, Veronica was, like, so many big personalities. You know,
1: it's it's interesting. I look back on it, and I, I felt like, There, It was such a whirlwind, uh, and so much changed so fast with being... And I went right from filming the show, like, it must have been, like, two weeks when we ended um, Brooklyn and then went to the challenge. It was not that long at all. And I think I was just in this, like, I don't know, like, whirlwind of, like, everything is different, and I... Because I don't, I remember it feeling like, oh wow, I really fit in here. I never, it didn't feel like, it felt like I fit in there more than when I was on the challenge or when I was on the real world. And I think that's because I, I tend to, in any group, I feel the pressure to ease the tension by being the, like MC and like essentially like hosting where any hangout and any group of people. I'm like, so, you know, like, like, like I'm like MCing the event or something, which is so silly. And I don't need to do that. I'm just trying to like make when I get uncomfortable, my like go to survival strategy is make everybody else comfortable and like maybe they'll like anything. So I felt like when I was on the challenge, I didn't really have to do that. There were so many big personalities that were louder than me. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, everybody can just handle themselves. So I got to be a little more of the background character, which is, I think, what I really like doing more. It's really just out of sheer, like, survival that I'm, I don't know, try to put myself in the center of attention. So, yeah, I felt normal.
0: That, that was funny that you mentioned about the chaperoning comment, because that's probably exactly the word I would use when it comes to the Battle the Seasons season. Actually, because I saw Trishell was on my last episode, and I joked with we both joked about it. It was almost like she was chaperoning a homecoming because of yes. the younger cast members that were like, uh, you know, over the top and stuff, just getting their feet wet. It's and exhausting. Changing.
1: Feels was like that, hurting kittens.
0: Was that kind of the vibe that you got from uh, your experience on Battle of the Seasons?
1: my experience on every single season was like that and for some reason battle of the seasons was extra annoying i think there were a few people on there i'm gonna go at zach was that guy has no social skills in other countries he is like running through the airport screaming things that are so offensive i'm like oh my god this is why people hate americans like this is so annoying right now i was very embarrassed to be with him and so it was things like that that i think um i don't know it just doesn't take it just takes a few people who are are kind of like the ringleaders or like the alphas in some way and with their acting on bad behavior then oh god everybody else will too and it's like (laughs) <laughs> I lost it. I think it was, I think it was battle of the seasons where I, we were at the airport and everybody was just being annoying. And I just went full yard duty, like chaperone, like, you kids are acting crazy. Everybody's tired. Sit down. You're gonna get food later. Like, oh, it was so annoying. So yes, I am like, Oh, I'm exhausted just thinking about those memories.
0: Well, let me ask you about another memory. Was, obviously, Cutthroat was, I think it was your third season, and Mm -hmm. most of the people that were on that cast always come on here and they give their perspectives. I want to hear yours. Was that house haunted?
1: A hundred percent yes. I will say this. Now, I happen to be somewhat of an expert in this paranormal stuff because my mother is a psychic. This is what, like, it's the family business. And uh, people often confuse hauntings for high areas of, of, of paranormal activity or spiritual activity. So you can kind of think of it, if there's intense emotion or t- intense um, uh, uh, feelings that happen in that space, the energy kind of gets trapped in there like an echo, kind of like how like you scream into a canyon and like, you stop screaming, the sound is still in there and it kind of like echoes back. The louder you are, the louder that is and like the more times it like reverberates. So if there's a a house or a, an environment where there was a lot of negative energy or a lot of like heavy energy, then what we can, and everybody knows this, you know, when you walk into a room and you're like, oh, there's like a heaviness in there or oh, there's a vibe in there or you just meet someone you're like, oh, that's about, it's not like that person is haunted. It's just like, the energy that's there is still lingering. It's so intense that it's still kind of lingering. And so that house had a really crazy past. It was a brothel in the, um, I want to say, World War One or World War II. And you can just imagine what kind of things went down there and the kind of energy that is just felt in there. And so I think what we what a lot of us experienced was sensing that, trapped energy more than something that is maybe haunted
0: well i actually one one cast member said that they they and two others actually saw a ghost they went on the third floor because i think that wasn't the one you were supposed to go on and they saw it run out the window so that was three sources right there
1: that's crazy well there you go
0: yeah. <laughs> um another thing from that season with Cutthroat was obviously, you know, the gray team seemed like the team to beat all year and then um, you know, obviously it fizzled out at the end. Your guys um you were pretty critical of Car Maria and like whether or not she'd be able to do a final. How do you feel like about it now, seeing as how it's aged and played out?
1: I shouldn't have been critical about anyone. Like, I there there was a lot of me saying like A lot of me shoulding all over the place. You should do this. You should do that. Should, should, should. It was exactly what 24-year-old or 22-year-old me would respond, like, when I, like, think I'm, like, hot shit. And then I got a nice little taste of my own medicine and a little humble pie when I freaking gassed out in that final. And uh, now I don't say shit to anyone,
0: so... Were you just not equipped for the final, that one in particular? You think it had to have been something else that catered to your guys' strengths?
1: No, that one, they did that. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was going on there. We had a heat wave for one that was not expected. That was the last challenge um, where we had water stations before they started giving us camelbacks because we didn't have enough. They put the checkpoints where we were able to have water at one end and the other end of this big tarmac. And they thought we would be able to go around it pretty quickly, but it would take, like, an hour for us to get from one side to the other. And so we're doing, like, intense physical labor, not getting anything to drink or having any sort of, like, you know, anything for, like, a significant amount of time. Abram and I both we dehydrated so much that we couldn't do it. The, the, uh, I remember, um, the stunt coordinator, uh, coming around to me and he wiped my back and he said, Oh, you're not sweating. That's not good. And that was like the last I kind of remember before puking all over the place and just being like, it, my body was like, Nope, you don't have enough electrolytes. You don't have enough stuff to keep going. I remember really wanting to move, Having that thing where, like, I'm telling my legs, you need to stand up right now. And they wouldn't. They were, like, collapsing under me. So I think once we had water and once I really learned after that challenge how to take care of myself and how, like, when you prepare for a final, which is why I think I did as well as I did in, you know, following finals. um, Because uh, you really have to start preparing for a final about three to five days before you do it. Mm-hmm. With eating, like, and oh my god, I eat like a freaking, like, everything in sight the three days before the challenge. <laughs> For sure. That is my best secret. Eat everything, drink about four gallons of water, and you're good.
0: Is that what went into the uh, other finals? Yep. Wow.
1: And then I just have one speed, first gear, all the way. And everybody else starts out real freaking fast and they, like, think they're going to lap me. And then, nope, just slow and steady. There you go. Because when you're doing uphill, like, that's it's the same as when I do any other sort of, like, elevation climbs. You just hike. You don't run. Yeah. You, won't, you won't last.
0: Yeah. I, I need the tea on this next question because I had a bunch of subscribers uh, wanted me to ask you. What's the tea on Dunbar stealing your idea?
1: Oh, my God. Of I hate him. He did. He straight up stole it. He I, I told this story. There's a story that I would tell at summer camp that I went to. That's a Native American story about how the stars were made. And I was telling everybody one night and, uh, you know, I even told him like, oh, I have, you know, plans. I would love to like draw like, you know, turn this into a book and then give the proceeds to like a summer camp and blah, 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 blah. And he uh, just turned right around and took <laughs> the idea. And then he sent me, when he published it, he sent me an email that didn't have any subject, any, anything. It was just a link to the Amazon, like like where the book was, the link to the book on Amazon. I was like, damn, that that is harsh. And then when I saw him on the next podcast, uh, not podcast, when I saw him on the next challenge, he said I was so mad at him, and he said uh, you should be careful who you tell good ideas to.
0: Wow. So, so did he know? Did you make it known that you were mad about it? Yeah. Wow.
1: I on the next on the next season, I was on another season with him after that.
0: Wow. I feel like if I was in his shoes, I would try to like hide the fact that oh, I no, stole. He did not
1: care. What was he gonna do?
0: Yeah.
1: That has like two star ratings because all of the people from the yeah, podcast so I- went and like. Yeah, everybody
0: in the comments. Go ahead.
1: Sell it. Sell it all you want, Dunbar. Okay. (laughs) So people are going to copy my idea and then not do it well. That's on them. Yeah. I don't care.
0: So, so you obviously had, like, a lot of bad string of luck with partners, but then it all came together when you had Jordan. I feel like Jordan has this stigma to him. Everyone he thinks he's, like, an asshole and stuff. But what was what was it like maybe uh, you teaming up with Jordan having him as a partner?
1: I really – I understood Jordan. Like, I get it. I think I understand – and I don't know if it's just, like, it's the therapist in me or what I – can recognize that everybody's actions and behavior serve as a function to meet some sort of need and to, I don't know, better their own situation. It's not necessarily the right way to go about it, but when you recognize that like the intention is good and that this is how he has to, mm, like maybe he's got a little chip on the sh- his shoulder for people like doubting him or second guessing, like what he's able to do because he has a, which I can't even call it a disability because it's not just a. an ailment? Yes. And so uh, I recognize, like, where that came from and when that would come out. And also, there are, he's, I think he's a little bit younger than me, and there are, elements of his personality that I think are a lot like my own that I was able to kind of like recognize and go okay like I I see that in me and I know what that is and so I was able to have a lot of good talks with him where everybody else just kind of yelled and so like maybe you'll you can see that in some scenes where we're just like off by ourself and I'm like okay let's just talk I love communicating. So if my partners are willing to communicate and listen, we will always do really well. Even when I was with Johnny, one of the things that he did is recognize when I was going to be the one to, like, figure this out, and he let me, like, tell him what to do, and he, he like, you know, until the very end, but he, he saw that. He was like, oh, no, she's going to be good at this. I'll let her do it. And Jordan was like that, too. So if I get a partner who, like, can just let me kind of take the reins, then we are great. Yeah, and I
0: feel like a lot of people point to that last daily challenge with you guys, where you obviously made that move that then set off the domino effect Mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. I still try to wrap my head around the fact where the disconnect is, because obviously, you know, you and Jordan, you guys are teammates. Bananas... Mm -hmm. Nani, you're on an opposite end of the spectrum, of course. I think if you're trying to better your chances of winning, it seems like a no-brainer of a move. No-brainer. Why why do you feel like it's been met with contention? Do you feel like... I
1: just think it's because I'm a woman doing it, and I think that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Hmm. I think it was just so... Johnny had well what you saw was like that like cognitive dissonance like him really thinking it was going to go one way and Then him like totally getting it felt like he was blindsided because he had painted such a clear vision of the future with his expectations and with his best interest in mind and didn't ever consider a possibility of a future where I would put my own team's needs in. That's what happens when you're a narcissist. You don't take other things like people's perspectives into consideration. That's one of the uh, uh, consequences. What
0: was your guy's friendship um, at that point before that move was made? Because he made it out to seem like it was some type of outside show betrayal because you made that move. Were you guys (laughs) really as close as he made it out to be or no?
1: It's, it's, you know, I, I think it changes every time he tells the story, I think, and I don't really know what an expectation of friendship is. I feel like more than what we were outside the show, I feel like there needs to be an expectation of us being on a reality show where the point is winning money. Like, I don't even fault him for doing what he did to me in the last season. Go ahead, that's fine. I didn't like how he did it and how he won. That didn't. That wasn't on air. That's the problem. But I don't even have. If you, you like, take the money. I don't. That's whatever. It's a. We're on a game show. I get it. And the only person in the whole challenge that I think wouldn't take my money would be like Susie. That's it. Well, and well, I would, I would split the money. Yeah. Cause I'm just like that. But
0: well, what does bother you that you mentioned didn't get aired? Could you delve into that?
1: That they caught at caught him with Adderall, and that he beat me on a challenge where you can where we had to stay up all night, and then at the finish line, right before TJ announces, you know who won, the crew like searched his jacket and found Adderall that he didn't have a prescription for and was taking the whole season. To give him an edge, and on a challenge where we were supposed to stay up all night on, a, like, standing on a log, and he's taking a very obviously a performance-enhancing drug, and then they fine him three thousand dollars for it. And when we did the after show, he said to me, "Well, what do you expect? Of course, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to take the three thousand dollar fine when I just won hundred and whatever two hundred seventy-five thousand. So
0: it's worth that got swept under the rug, then. Oh yeah,
1: because no, like they edited all of that out. They MTV didn't want me talking about that. They didn't want people did knowing about
0: up? that. Did you? Oh bring, yeah, you
1: I bring show? it up all all the time on everything, and they just erase it.
0: And did you did you feel blacklisted at all after that by the network? Or I wasn't.
1: They called me for everything.
0: Were there any close calls for you where you thought about accepting or almost ended up on a season?
1: Well. No, because i was in grad school
0: so every time it has
1: nothing to do with what happened on the show my not returning to the show is because i have a career outside the show now and i make more money and have you know more control over my life and what happens and now I have clients that I see every week, and so I don't have time
0: off. So, so did you think that Rivals 3 was going to be your last show anyway, had he still not made that move?
1: Oh, yeah. And I wasn't even going to do that. I, I had just gotten married at the time. I was three months like from saying I do, and uh, or post saying I do, and my husband did not want me to go. He was like definitely don't do this a lot of the reason why I wanted to go was more to uh was more for identity issues around like me feeling like I was losing part of my identity and getting married so it had more to do with me wanting to kind of like uh like have one last hurrah do something like to say like I felt like so much of my life was getting swallowed up by this other person I was changing my last name I was like who am I? I know who I am. I'm somebody who's on reality television. I'm gonna do that one more time. And so I I that is that was a big reason for doing it was mostly my own identity things, not you know, mine to be on.
0: Yeah, and um if if I'm just playing devil's advocate here, yeah. what you brought up was entirely true about how um you know women are treated differently on this show. But if I had to say if I'm being entirely honest just from what it seems like in my perspective, it almost seems like they had this outcome, I don't want to say predetermined, but from the start, it's almost like you were a pawn. Like they oh, had yeah. de- they had designed this season specifically for you guys with how the theme, the twist, how that cast, like it was very obvious that they stacked the odds in your guys favor, but more specifically for that final moment, you know. What oh I'm yeah. Saying? Yeah. Was that would you say that'd be the case?
1: Yeah, it definitely felt like what was supposed to happen. Nobody was surprised it happened. Of course they're going to do that. Of course, I'm like, I'm not surprised at all. And the, I don't even, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really, like, matter as much to me that I just, you know, there's a, a, a quote by, who says it? Judge Judy. That always makes me laugh. She says, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's rain- raining. And that's always how I feel. Like, don't, like, just and just say that, yeah. We, the only person who was kind of like that and who I felt like didn't, like, uh, like ostracize me or didn't kind of, like, ice me out was TJ. TJ was like, oh, yeah, that was kind of fucked up. And, like, you know, yeah. everybody else was like, oh, okay, oh, another, you know, like, ignored me. And I felt like, okay, well, this is, they just can't look me in the eyes after yeah. breaking up with me. Boy, so.
0: <laughs> so when was the last time you were called for a main season of the challenge? You still uh, getting-
1: a, a main season? Um, I, well, I told them that I was not available to do any seasons um, on the last one they called me, and but they still call me to do the OG challenge. And d- Yeah, I still, I, they didn't call me for the last one, but I think they have a new talent coordinator or somebody because she did not get the memo that I can't take, I can't take this time off. Like, I don't know what I keep saying, like, people, what do you think I do for a job? How many times do I need to tell people? I am a therapist. I have clients. I see every week. I can't go away for five weeks. This is not one of those jobs. Like I don't know who has like careers where they could do that. It is they're I don't know lucky or or it's very or make their own schedule. I just can't imagine.
0: So there's no compromise they could make to ever sway you into doing one of these. Well, no,
1: because more than not. I feel like my time in front of the camera, I like got what I wanted out of it. I got, I I learned a lot. I had some wonderful, um, uh, memories and experiences on there. Um, but I think that my skills are best, um, utilized for helping people post show. And I think it's very hypocritical for me to say, um, you know, here I am providing a, a, Therapy and resources after the show. Um, also be right back. I'm going to go on that television show that I talk about, you know, causes like feelings of in a way kind of like PTSD afterwards. So I, I, I just feel like it's ethically not what I want to be doing or should be doing right now. And um, I don't believe that the show uh itself provides the proper aftercare for the participants so i feel like it's more damaging and detrimental to anyone's mental health than they are compensating us for
0: no i entirely agree with you it, it gets to a point where you're just like am i really just going to keep doing this or am i just going to focus on a career you know and i get why people you know can step away from this environment if it's not serving your, you know, mental needs, of course, and and that's just one thing, but then obviously you got a career on the side, it's just, you know, it's unreasonable or unrealistic to think that. And
1: it would be an a ethical, via, like, I could lose my license if I abandoned my clients. So if I have clients and say, like, okay, I'm not going to be available for five weeks, that would be considered, like, client abandonment, which is unethical and, like, a violation of my, like, the laws and, and ethics of my career.
0: What do you think about Johnny recently selling merchandise of that moment that happened?
1: I, uh, know that selling one's, or selling another person's image is illegal, so I think he needs to be very, um... I think he's very, uh, uh, feels like, like, I don't know, he's in this, like, safe area of being able to just kind of do whatever he wants without consequences, but I feel like can't do those kind of things. Do
0: you feel like he just doesn't feel as though you would take any action towards that? Is that what it is? Yeah. Would you?
1: Um, yes. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like it's the right thing to do. Mhm. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I could see where you're coming from. What, one final question, though, because uh, your former Rivals 2 partner voiced her opinion strongly on the matter. I asked her her thoughts on the current direction in which the show is casting, with um, kind of going based off of Instagram followings and more gearing towards casting, I guess you could say, athletic beings with uh, maybe less personality or character development. What do you think about the current direction of the show?
1: Um, it does feel, well, I just don't feel as connected to the people on there, I think, because I don't know them personally. And because it it feels like very different than, you know, one of the things that I really loved, um, and I think we like about the OG challenge, what I liked as being a viewer of the challenge was that I felt like I could always imagine myself there. And that's why I wanted to do the challenge so bad, because I could see myself Doing that, like, oh, I would have tons of fun doing that. I don't watch the challenge these days and look at it with the same that same feeling of, oh, I would love to do that. That looks, I look at that and I'm like, oh, that looks miserable. <laughs> you're living in like a bunker in the Czech Republic. I'm good. Like, yeah, <laughs> that looks terrible.
0: Yeah, I told her you could find any person they're casting nowadays at any Gold's Gym in America.
1: Yeah it's like no problem. And like, I don't know. I just feel like that, that it's a, just a different television show. And, and it, and I think people like that who are already in the spotlight or are used to, um, that maybe will fare better and be able to deal with some of those, um, uh, mental health issues. Maybe, I don't know. I think that like it, if that's something that you, like, willingly signed up for and you knew you were getting into, maybe they're a little, like, yeah. I don't know, you know what you're getting into kind of thing. Whereas a lot of, I think the rest of us didn't know and we were just um, kind of learned as we, as, you know, we went along there, like, what it was like to be that exposed. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like a lot of people are like that. It's like fifty like, in the future, everybody will be famous for 15 minutes, Thing. here we are. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're, they're handed out TV spots to everybody. They right? sure are. <laughs> well, uh, I think that'll be a good place to close it. I thank you again for uh, taking the time to hop on here and talk about some uh, stuff and experiences. And, thank uh, we you may... for
1: your wonderful questions.
0: Yeah, we may not be seeing you anytime soon on a challenge, but I do, me personally, wish you the best of luck in your current endeavors.
1: Well, thank you so much, and thank you for letting me talk about some of the uh, those real important things on, on here and uh, uh, for listening and asking those good questions again.
0: For sure, and I'll let you know when this is out.
1: All right, wonderful. Have a good one.
0: You too. Take care.
1: Bye.